Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. You might have been worried we're dead. We're not dead. We're just enjoying the springtime, hopefully like you are. Devin and I are back today uh, with a long-delayed episode that we recorded a couple weeks ago. It took a little while to get around to editing it because Alaska is a glorious place in the springtime with lots of distractions. We'll hopefully be back periodically over the course of the summer with some updates, so apologies that this episode is not as current as it could be. Stay tuned. We will be back with a breakdown of some of the stuff that's happened over the offseason, retirements, other developments, and hopefully we'll be back with a new episode soon. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by New Moon Ski and Bike, located in beautiful Hayward, Wisconsin's picturesque Northwoods region, which borders Michigan's Upper Peninsula and is home to the country's largest cross-country ski race, the American Berkebiner. The Berkey has over 100 kilometers of cross-country ski trails that stretch from Cable, Wisconsin to Hayward. Some have named the trail as the number one cross-country ski destination in the entire U.S. The trails are groomed and maintained for both skate and classic skiing, or ditch the skis altogether and go fat biking instead. Hayward boasts more than 50 miles of groomed fat bike trails to choose from. New Moon has ski and fat bike rentals available with experts ready for waxing and repair services. New Moon is the area's premier shop for skis, snowshoes, and fat bikes, clothing, accessories, expert fitting, and outstanding customer service. When in Hayward, look for them on Highway 63 in the Big Log Chalet, or check them out online at newmoonski.com. Okay, so it is May. It is May. Uh, it's almost been a full May day in Norway by now. Uh, and uh, when was the last time you went skiing, Devin? Well, the last time I went skiing was last week, backcountry skiing, which was glorious, <laughs> which was amazing. And then the last time I like took the skinny skis out for a burn, that was a, like maybe like 10 days ago. So like up in Shushan, it was a, I've just been lamenting how bad the snow has been in Eastern, Southern East, Southeastern Norway um, compared to normal. But in the Lillehammer area, there is always still great skiing. So the skiing disappeared in Lillehammer quite a bit, but up in, up in Shushan, which is like 10 minutes up the road from us, it's still, it's been good. So I had some really, really nice skis up there and you, well, you live in Alaska, so you know what I'm saying? Like what people don't know that live in the lower 48 or Canada close to the 49th parallel or whatever, when you're in the North, like Alaska or Norway, the spring, man, it, is it the best season? It's the best season. Cause like it's getting warmer, but the days are so long and the skiing is so good. And, and like, oh, it's, it's the best. It, it, I like every year it, I feel like you get to this time of year and you're like, oh my God, how do I live any other time of year? Because yeah, I mean, you know, we've got light until 10 PM, like, you yeah. know, we're, we're backcountry skiing. We're like Nordic skiing. We're crust skiing. We're snow machining. We're, you know, sitting outside and soaking in sun. And it's just like. I don't know. I feel like this year it's lasted like longer than usual. Like it was cold, cold, cold. And then it warmed up, but like not so much that everything melted down. And we just have, I swear to God, we've had like six weeks of um, just absolute all kinds of glory here in Alaska. Yeah. It's kind of finally coming to an end, but yeah. Holy <laughs> that, that's why there's been, that's why there's been no Kershaw podcast. Like, you yeah. know, I've literally been plane, plane skiing. So sorry. Yeah, that, I know. And those photos are like getting me jelly ass. Like, I mean, I love my little backcountry adventures I'm doing here in Norway, but let's not kid ourselves. The mountains in Norway aren't exactly AK or they're not the Rockies. It's pretty. And I'm happy to get the time to, to explore them, but it's, 
seeing those like plane skiing expeditions you're on and and i'm like also a reason for no podcast is um you know we got some emails over the over the season it's like wow you're combining like medical school and podcasting it's like yeah but when you have an exam like a huge ass exam like i lived through a couple weeks ago i actually kind of had to work for real and and i survived that well which was great so the exam went great but like uh, i definitely wasn't really in the mood or had the time a couple weeks ago to to look up for medical genetic genetics to talk some talk shit about cross-country skiing so but now now we're gonna get back on the horse and it's uh, first of may seems like a good as good a day as any it's it's the it's new year's eve it's not new year's eve it's new year's day for for cross-country ski racers around the world like this is when you you know skiers are made in the summer that old saying and the summer starts now the off-season training starts today and in this game in this big game you were telling me before we started recording that you ran into like sadie and rosie and you know if rosie wants to keep delivering these kind of results she knows she's gonna have to put the work boots on from day one here so it's uh yeah it's all all the athletes around the world are back on the roller skis and oh god hopefully not in alaska they're lucky they can go skiing but here in norway man seeing people roller ski just still makes my stomach turn it's like oh god i'm glad i'm not having to roller ski right now one of the great privileges of being a podcaster is is no roller skiing. So what um I feel like um you know we could talk a little bit about like I know of a few retirements I think here but like what do we what has transpired in the in what feels like the epic since we have last posted an episode. Yeah, well I mean the retirements are a big one cuz there's there's uh I mean the greatest distance skier that ever lived and the second best women's skier that ever lived if we really want to get into the nitty-gritty but Teresa Yohag the absolute queen of skiing lately has decided to step away from from high level skiing and and retired her teammate Mike and Kasperson Fala who I think I have to admit she doesn't get the like she doesn't get the accolades she kind of deserves when you start looking through her palmares and you realize like you know Olympic champion, of course, world champion, multiple world overall, like sprint globe winners, but like her podium, like so many podiums, so many world cup wins. And she's 31 years old. She's not that old. She struggled with her health the last couple of seasons, but still, I mean, she won. We, we were singing her praises in drama and only what, six weeks ago. And, but she's decided to move on from the sport as well. So, so those are, those are two huge retirements. Dario Colonia, even though he's been a shadow of himself the last couple of seasons, Dario Colonia, <laughs> I mean, he's a total legend. He's a total legend. What can you say? So many World Cup globes, Olympic champion, three Olympics in a row, which just doesn't happen. But also, you know, I think what's cool about a guy like Dario is is you forget, you know, it's so Scandinavian centric, and that's because our sport is dominated by Scandinavian countries. But he's Swiss, and he really brought a lot of excitement and interest to cross country skiing in Central Europe. And what people don't get is like Central Europeans love cross country skiing, like ever since when I first went to Europe for the first time, like back in the year 2000, there's like tons of people cross-country skiing, but, and, you know, Italians, I know they have a rich history of international results as well, but, but Dario Colonia was like the first in a long, long time to not just be like win a couple world cups here and there, or win a championship medal here and there, but the best in the world year after year, after year, after year, he, he was so important to the sport of cross-country skiing and, and he's moving on. So it's, it's an end of an era for sure. And then some Canadians have decided to move on like Sundrine Brown. I was actually really bummed to hear that somebody is moving on because she's young. And I felt like 
especially the way she was racing at the Olympics this year. And, you know, like racing into the top 20 internationally and, and like starting to get some consistency, like, Oh man, this is going to be exciting. You know, look at what look, we talked about Rosie so many times. We had Rosie on the podcast multiple times. Like we love her, but you know, like late bloomers, you know, like it, it can start with being consistent in around 20 and in five years when she's 32 and Sandrine is 32, that could, that could be podiums, but she's moving on. And that's understandable too. I mean, people have other dreams, but yeah, so the, the, I think it's the spring's always a kind of a time of transition, eh? Like, especially in the international scene, but it's going to be weird not to have Teresa on the World Cup and, and Mike in the spring. It's going to be just like, it's just super weird. What can you say? Kala? We haven't even talked about Kala yet. She's yeah. done. I mean, geez. So a lot, a lot has happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, I mean, you know, we've got like news about some Americans, like, uh, you know, Hannah Halverson is leaving at a, a retiring at a pretty young age, Caitlin Patterson. Uh, Catherine Ogden, Adam yeah. Martin. Um, so like pretty decent sized group there. It's like, I feel like the Alaska scene is weird. Like I, you know, I've heard a number of names uh, and like some rather interesting ones, but like, I don't, I have not like spoken to any of these people or confirmed anything. I know that Alaska Pacific University, like the elite club team of Keegan Randall, uh, Rosie Brand, Sadie Burnson, et cetera, like, I don't think I've ever seen them in recruiting mode, but I think they're in recruiting mode right now, which is actually kind of interesting. Um, so probably more on that a little bit later when we, when we learn a little bit more, but um, it, it definitely, I mean, I think I feel like also it's like an Olympic year and and that's kind of like standard for, uh, you know, maybe more names than an average year to, to leave, but, you know, um, pretty, pretty exciting to see. I mean, I, I think when we had talked to Rosie, like, or at least when I had talked to her during the Olympics, um, Rosie Brandon, that, you know, she kind of sounded uncertain about what her athletic future looks like. I mean, I think she's 31, 32. And like at a time when a lot of people start kind of having some questions about you know, prior life priorities and balance and what do you do next? And so, um, you know, I think she's, sounds like she's definitely obviously committed for another year. And I know it sounds like her boyfriend, Tyler Cornfield, also a professional cross-country skier, he's going to be, uh, he had to get a, like a thumb surgery, but it sounds like he's going to be training and kind of looking to maybe race some like marathon races over in Europe. I think, um, uh, Rosie Frankowski, another Anchorage skier, and Scott Patterson and, and Rosie Brennan all raced the Norwegian Berkebeiner this spring with like they somehow kind of talked their way on to a uh, European one of the ski classics teams. And I think that really seemed like they, they had like a pretty excellent time and were really kind of interested in like if there's any potential to, to bring some more Americans uh, into that scene, which I think would be cool because it's like, you know, there's some American cross country skiers with some pretty solid distance chops, although kind of funny to see like Scott Patterson, like get you know what like 50th place in the Berkey or something after an eighth of the Olympics I'm I, hopefully he's not listening to this but uh, uh you can listen to it Scotty man like it's a different game man these guys are beasts in double polling and if you're trying to mess around and you haven't been training for double polling or you decided to go with classic skis like Rosie which is understandable this is the first year ever that the Berkey was one with a woman that was double polling but even Teresa Johag decided to double pole the Birkebeiner in Norway which is crazy and anyone that's listening that's done the Norwegian Birkebeiner it's an iconic race from Reina to Lillehammer you have to carry the prince 
Yeah, you have to carry the prints in a backpack. So you have to race with a backpack. I think it's like four kilos or something. Don't quote me on it. It could be like 3.6 or I don't know. But you have to carry a backpack with a certain amount of weight. And uh, that's one thing. But but it's also like it, it starts with a killer uphill. I mean, like it's like 15K without any downhills whatsoever. And the fact that like the men and the women now are, are double pulling it, like no question. It's not that long ago that that was, that was absurd to talk about that like for men or women for anybody like this is absurd to think that we're going to double pull the brick binder and now rosie brennan you know she was on the fence like should i classic should i double pull she decided a classic big mistake no chance in hell everyone else is double pulling you're wrecked you have no chance but like it's a huge decision like double pulling 52k or 54k or whatever it is like i think it's 54 actually but like it's it's a you know, you can't take that lightly and stuff. So, but I think, I think it'd be cool. It'd be cool if some Americans wanted to try and do some ski classics stuff. I, I'm like, got to be a bit careful with the ski classics. I, sometimes I just get like, so I'm, I can be like a Debbie Downer a bit with the ski classics, but uh, I would like to see it succeed. And I would like to see more athletes from more nations represented. And, and also just like, I think it is cool when maybe younger athletes decide to just like make it their game. And I think that's, what's cool about like the, the guy that won the, the ski classics again this year by winning the Vassalop and Berkebiner back to back, which is just a crazy feat. Uh, Nigard and like Nigard is like, you know, he, he decided early in his career that like, no, I want to, I want to go all in for the ski classic stuff. And, and that's been his career instead of like, ski classics has been just kind of like 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 a circuit it's kind of like the sp senior pga like yeah it's cool to see like jack nicholas play golf but jack nicholas is fucking 80 and like he's still good but it's cooler to watch tiger woods in his prime like 15 years ago instead of or 20 years ago instead of an 80 year old jack nicholas like hobbling around and that's kind of auckland at age 45 like yeah but but it wasn't just auckland right like you had like oestein gets kicked off the national team yeah he's going to the ski classics like auckland a beast total beast olympic medalist like world championship medalist like a total beast. but like kid gets kicked off the national team goes to the ski classics and that, that was just kind of like sundi one of the best skiers that ever lived like kind of retire slash he was going to get kicked off the national team goes to the ski classics it's, i think it's cool to see people go like no i want to try my hand at the ski classics and that's going to be my bag from an early age instead of like all these guys that have like I'm just kind of doing the ski classics because I'm not good enough for the world cup anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the um, SPG is great golf and the ski classics is great golf. We get great skiing, but it's, it's cool to see. I, I, what I'm trying to say is I think it's really cool to ski, see the ski classics like progress with people that pick that made it their jam and, and are excelling at it. Like uh, Astrid Slynn too. Great, great example. You know, I know she also tried for a long time to be a, a great all around skier, like world cup skier as well. And didn't work out for her. But the last few years, like she's really been on the cutting edge to try and uh, develop ski classics. And she's been so strong her technique. Anyone that wants to see women's double polling technique over time and staying in a high position and, and having like just a rock solid core and timing you should look to Astrid Slynn and I mean she beats Therese Johag she beat Therese Johag in the Berkebiner she beat like Mar- I mean Mark Bjergen just did the ski classics thing kind of for fun but but the the fact of the matter is like she's really developing the sport and I think that's cool to see I think it's really cool so if some Americans wanted to jump in there and try them, it'd be awesome it'd be fun because these are iconic races especially Marcia in Italy which is 70k uh Vassalop at 90k and the Norwegian Berkebiner. I mean, like these three races are the triple crown of long distance skiing. And 
while I think it's hilarious, some of the other ones they add that are just kind of like, this isn't a real, like you're trying to make something out of nothing. Like, but, but those three especially have a rich history. And I think it's cool to see how they've developed in a fairly short time. These athletes, like I said, Nigord, uh, Slind, I mean, they're, geez, they're not just good. Like they're, they're phenomenal. Um, do you think you could have kept up with the women's field, uh, all double pulling up and over, uh, no, that's a no. No chance, man. Though. No chance yeah. in hell. Like maybe in my, like, but in my prime, yeah. I mean, like it's just, no, but I, but no, not right now. No way in hell. I mean, I'm so impressed. I, like I said, like, I'm, you know, I try and get out every day and, and, you know, work the body a little bit, but, um, I, I have so much different respect level. for anybody, but yeah, yeah. especially like from Reina and up to Shushin, it's long and it's all uphill and, you know, it's the spring too, man. You know how it is skiing in the spring. Like you don't have the pole perch. It's not like we're skiing in, you know, Lillehammer in January where it's minus 10. It's been minus 10 and sunny for like two weeks straight. And you have like concrete for your poles. Like that is not what you get at the Norwegian Berkebiner. So there's no way in hell I'd be dropped like a, I'd be dropped like a bad habit. Like I, 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 do, I do want the uh, Kershaw podcast audience to know that as I was saying, I, I ran into um, Rosie Brennan and Sadie Bjornsson uh, at peak three in Anchorage. Uh, and we all uh, were putting on our skis at the same time. And I skinned all the way to the top of peak four uh, with Rosie and Sadie going definitely level one and me going like level something else. Uh, and uh, I didn't die. So that's uh, probably the crowning achievement of my athletic career right there. And sorry, <laughs> to, sorry to spill the beans on Rosie Brennan's secret training program. That was definitely her second workout of the day as well. Hey man, uh, I, so. You know, excuses. The fact of the matter is you're, you, you, you showed up, you kept up and that is something to hang your hat on. But you know, Rosie's getting better and better every year. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on you keeping up next year. But that is, it's good. I'm just saying, now. if anyone wants to recruit me for ski classics, <laughs> I'm I'm available. Um, so I'm should not- we move on to uh, should we move on to Russia and talk about that a little bit? Because that is just uh, um, that's an interesting situation. Then yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a dumpster fire in international politics, of course, and it's scary. I mean, we we're not a political podcast, thank God. Um, but but it is. No, but it is scary. I think I think it's I think it is uh, interesting to to discuss. I mean, like we're not any further ahead than when we left off six weeks ago. I, I think that it almost looks more dystopic, and there's less of an out for Putin at this point. And so, it, it, at a political situation, it's perilous, and for Europe as a whole, it's not a great situation. But how does this pertain to cross country skiing? I, I think my personal opinion is every week that goes by with this war it just seems more and more unlikely that you're going to see a russia at the start line of any world cups next year um you know and and uh with that becomes like an issue of course i mean it's it's an issue all around but um but i mean with like let's start with the women like terezio hug retires okay and and i'm gonna sing some praises for Teresa one last time because I was thinking about this before we started chatting. How <laughs> just absolutely bonkers is it that 2019 World Championships wins all the distance races, 2021 wins all the distance races, 2022 in Beijing wins all the distance races. Like this is <laughs> insane. Like I'm used to Mark Bergen. I'm used like 
you know, my hero growing up was Bjorn Dolly, but they did not win every single distance race for three championships in a row. And then when Pedeza got beat in that 10K before Christmas by Frida Carlson, when there's stats like this that are getting thrown out there, Pedeza Yohug loses her first 10K classic in six years. Like these stats, <laughs> they're madness. And so the sport is losing, like, I mean, not just a generational talent, but like, like I said at the start, like she's the best distance skier that ever lived and, and charismatic and a, a great role model. Yeah, I know. I know about the, the like failed drug test and all that. And you already know my opinion on it. So, but this makes it really exciting for the women's field because now like, you know, Norway is kind of in a crisis at the Olympics behind Teresa, their best result at the Olympic games for women was eight. And that was Mikan. She's gone. She's retired. So they, they don't have coaches right now for the women's side. There's two coaching positions that are going to be filled probably tomorrow or the, in the next week. Um, and they will be great coaches. So the, it's fine, but, but they, they're in a rebuilding phase that they haven't been in. Norway hasn't been in this position on the women's field for man, like 25 years, probably. Did, did any, like, there was some really kind of blunt and open criticism of like the Norwegian ski federation and the coaches by the women during the Olympics. Yeah. Like were, were there, did those, uh, like did any, did anyone like exact any retribution for that or like the, was it kind of like everyone kind of accepted that that was actually legit criticism and those women are all still kind of on the team or whatever yeah no no it, it was it was legit criticism and um it wasn't the arena to do it <laughs> i mean i don't think it's ever the arena to like just start throwing sand in people's faces at a championship that said people are underperforming, people are stressed. And if you're in a situation where you're like, we're underprepared and you feel, and I've heard this from multiple athletes that like at the Olympics, not just at the Olympics, but through the season that like communication on the, especially on the women's coaching side of things was, was poor or not good enough. And it wasn't just like at the Olympics, things weren't communicated well. Like this is something that had been a repeatable, I'm not going to say who, who said that, but like, that's, I've heard that verbatim from people uh close to the team or like within the team and 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 so i see how that bubbles over at a championship whenever people are underperforming other than Teresa, right um but that's not a great avenue so i wasn't surprised at all to see that um ola morton is moving on and uh i was a bit surprised that ola vegan had is moving on after only two years with the team but at the same time and and this is the thing like what's hard about coaching and people don't really understand like ola vegan Hadestad, you know, he, he had great success in Slovenia coaching there after he retired. And then he moved on to the Norwegian team. And, and, you know, he, there's, there's a lot of, there's some good things like from the Norwegian women's team too. There's some like Mirold, for example, on the women's side of things with podiums, you have the Tiri Lang, like getting a podium on the world cup, like this in sprint, like this is, there's some stuff happening. But I was a bit surprised in some ways that like Olivigan's going to step down already. But then at the other side of the coin, it's like he just had his second child not that long ago, and Katya's at home. It, it's it's just like this. It's tough to balance all this. And when you sign on for the Norwegian team as a as a coach or or the American team, whatever, no matter what World Cup team you're signing on for, you're signing on for like 200 days on the road a year, and people calling you at all hours, and like, you know, the margins are small and if you can't go all in 
you're going to hear about it. You're going to take the heat about it. And like Ola Vigan Hadestad took some heat on that. And so did, so did uh, Ola Martin Everson. And, and, you know, so now they're out and we're going to see some new people come in, but it's, it's tough. But getting back to the Russia thing, I think, I think what's happening this year is like, we kind of take Pereza for granted, right? Like that you're going to have a great duel between maybe like Frida Carlson and Pereza or just Pereza is going to win everything like she has been doing. But now like it's quite open for the women's side of thing. You have the, Jesse, of course, like the overall World Cup is within her grasp. Heidi Vang was coming back really strong before catching COVID and derailing her whole season, but she's still around. She hasn't retired. Rosie. Yeah, you have Rosie, who's like like top three in the overall World Cup is definitely within her grasp. Like even like a distance globe is not out outrageous to say. I mean, if she continues to develop like she's this, but there's three names, more than three, but I'll just focus on the big three from Russia that I don't think we're going to see on the start line is the reigning overall world cup winner, Neprieva. Then there's Stupak. Then there's like Stepanova, the young star out of Russia. And like, we're not going to see them on the start on the start line next year. If this continues. And, and even if it, even if, even if it comes to some sort of like resolution, it's not going to be a good resolution. And these sanctions aren't just going to be lifted in the snap of the fingers. I mean, I, I, I think there's a, I mean, it's hard to call this first of May, the first training day of the season, but like, I will be shocked if the Russians are on the start line in Ruka. And, and um, that's a problem. That's a problem for Fisk, but it's obviously the right decision, sadly, in the, in the current climate. I mean, there's just no, there's just no other way to, there's just no other way to put it as sad as it is for the athletes themselves. It's, it's also, I feel like it's also just going to be, awkward as hell even i mean if they ever make it back you know like you've got stepanova like uh, on social media like posting photos of like her literally like in putin's office in the kremlin like posing with her medal like with putin this week which is just like you know she has seemed like this kind of like crossover star who you know speaks english has this like kind of colorful social media presence and it's like that's it's going to be hard to kind of come back to any level of like Western appreciation or, or, you know, just relationships to the yeah. extent those existed. And then there was some interesting stuff in the news this week also about like Bolshunov and maybe um, Spitsov like skipping a, a Kremlin appearance, which also was like kind of interesting. So it seems like they're, uh, you know, whether it was sort of a health logistical related thing or not, like, maybe they were trying to distance themselves a little bit, but like, man, it just, um, I mean, you feel for those Russian athletes a little bit, you know, just wondering oh. like what kind of information they're even getting and how much all this stuff is like coerced. Um, but, you know, certainly like no sympathy for like the Russian leadership and state itself. So no, 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 exactly. And, and the thing is, is like, when you talk about co- coercion or like, it's just like, you know, I understand that, you know, I read a lot in the Norwegian media, there was a lot of Norwegian athletes that were throwing shade on Stepanova and um, previously on Bolshunov and, and uh, for, for, yeah, essentially being props in Putin's propaganda machine. But at the other side of the coin, like, don't kid yourself for a second. This isn't exactly so easy that, that a big star like Stepanova or, or Bolshunov can just say to, to Putin or, or the ski federation to be like, yeah, you know what? I don't agree with your foreign policy decision. So like, I'm not going to go. 
like you'll you're this isn't the u.s like this we're not in the u.s here and 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 you saw some amazing documentaries uh norwegian channel tv2 you know the journalists have gone to like where bolshenov grew up close to the ukrainian border met his family like saw where he grew up and where he lived as a kid and like this isn't you know this isn't a kid that went to sms here you know, <laughs> moved, moved to stratton from whatever and went to a private school like this is not well this like is not, this is not where you came from so so you you you've been given a lot of support and money but you're also like i understand that you you feel like immensely thankful to to a country for giving you the opportunity to be the best in the world and, and an icon in your country and you know what you pay the piper like you don't have to agree with what's happening on on current uh, current events or whatever if you're if you're a, a, a russian athlete i don't have to put any names to them but like i also when when the regime comes to comes knocking and says like get your fucking ass to the kremlin <laughs> it's not as easy to be like you know what i don't think so it's like okay boom <laughs> like you're done like it's and it is it could be that brutal like i mean i'm exaggerating of course but like it's uh it's a it's a really difficult situation and i but that said that said it's just going to look weird i think i think from from the women's side of things there's so many great women on the world cup next year that we're following at the swedish armada they're so good there's so many great swedish women to see how the development of Sundling can be. I'm so excited to see her in the distance races already. It's only the first of May and I'm already getting stoked for like Ruka and stuff. Um, Americans, Norwegians, like are they going to be able to rebuild? You have like Lampich who's been great and like not that bad in distance either. Um, you know, you, 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 there's, there's people to cheer for. So, but missing three big Russian stars is, is going to be felt. But like we were talking before we started recording on the men's side of things, like missing the Russian men's team is just like, what is this, the Norwegian championship? I mean, it, it's a huge blow to the competitiveness of men's skiing, which is especially in distance. I mean, men's distance skiing, like I've been lampooning the last bunch of seasons. It's it's like, it's Norway versus Russia. It's a battle of the Titans. And if you take Russia out, it's Norway versus Norway. And listen, man, we're on life support. Like cross-country skiing is already not the best product on the men's side of things, especially in distance. And without any sort of rivalry, like, man, oh man, it, it's it's a tough product to sell. Like think of how many World Cups were canceled this year. FIS is a fucking train wreck. So you can't count on like a good organization to, to rebuild the product. I mean, they've shown zero appetite to, or dedication to do it. I and mean, there's great people in FIS that want it, want to do it, but it just seems like they can't get it done right now anyway. And uh, this is all, it has all the makings for like a really weird situation without the Russian men there. Did you see um, Rachel from Faster Skier sent me yesterday? Um, apparently Eliash, like the new FIS president is making some kind of a move to actually try to consolidate the broadcast rights like taking them away from Infront, which does the distribution for the different ski federations and bringing them like directly under fists and like they this is like ski racing magazine did this interview with Infront, which was like their executive was basically saying that like fists and Eliash were going to be like in breach of contract and somewhat threatening legal action but that actually struck me as like 
you know, I think Eliash, there's this sense that like he's, you know, so he replaced John Franco Casper, who was like, you know, a, an absurd, like, you know, racist, sexist, like whatever. I would never oh, say that, but yeah, he, directly out of like, you know, Mad Men, like 19. 19- 50s 60s whatever it's like a parody movie like this shit coming out of his mouth was like especially the nazi stuff like good lord man yeah so anyway eliash is you know supposed to be this like progress some you know progressive by the standards of old european white males uh dude taking over fist and like kind of mixing things up and this sounded like maybe it's you know whether or not he's going to be successful in that it sounds like maybe he understands that this sort of tv rights issue is is legitimate and like that they need to really kind of do a better job of um marketing the product and centralizing it under fist but sort of unclear whether that's going to succeed i don't know if you've seen anything about that yeah no you know what it's funny you mentioned that i was going to bring that up because i I saw that but within the last 24 hours yeah and I, i i also had like both like I saw both sides, like part of me, like really like threw my hands in the air and went like, finally, like get it together. Like, why do you think F1 is so successful? Like, why do you think Bathlon is, well, Bathlon is successful for a lot of reasons, but F1 as well. But like a big reason why these, these two sports are like, are successful is like when I, I don't follow motorsport. Okay. Like I'm not a motorsport super fan, but when I, if I'm watching the sports news or if like, F1 is on TV. There is a continuity to it. There's a story. You're selling a sizzle. The athletes themselves are profiled properly. They're able to get like this Netflix documentary. It's just an ad for F1. Like they're just they're presenting it in a, a like a tight package, and and viewers from around the world can get behind it. And when they turn on a Grand Prix, they're like, "Yeah, I'm watching F1." And it's the same with Bathon. And I mean, like. If I'm in Rupelding, it's insane it, it, watching it on TV. If I'm if I'm watching Nova Mesto, bananas. It's great. When I'm watching it in Oslo, great. Tons of fans produced properly, great angles. We're we're creating a narrative. It's good. When I watch cross country ski racing, it's like I'm watching it on an iPhone four. If I'm in Switzerland, a shaky iPhone four. So like John Franco Casper's out there smoking darts, holding an iPhone four, trying to like film a cross country ski event while he's like Russians are pumping money into his pockets. And then when I'm in home and colon, I'm watching a great event with, with like cable cameras and we're following the action and it's like a totally different sport. And, and so it's great that Fist is recognizing that this is a problem, but on the other side, I always get scared because like I've lost a lot of trust in Fist because they've made so many bad decisions throughout my career in ski racing that, that it's like shocking and consolidating power. Like, man, it, if it works, it's what we need. If it doesn't work, like I didn't think we really could make things worse, but I, I think we can. I think Fisk can make things worse based on like how they've reacted to a lot of political situations lately, how they've uh, gone out in the media. Like, it just like how they, how cross-country ski racing on a political side of things has been not taken care of as far as i'm concerned like so so like when you think it can't get worse like it actually i think i think the russian stuff in the spring was a perfect example of that i think you had you know vega and olvang who had like all the respect in the world i am shocked he lasted as long as he did in fist trying to make a difference good on him um but you know like in the spring coming back like when he was out there at the front end of this ukrainian conflict saying like i don't think the russians should be here 
that's my personal opinion. It's like, you're the chair of the Nordic committee. <laughs> like uh, your personal opinion, like you're representing this. And then like right away, if this is like, we're not going to do anything about this. And it just created like kind of a scary disaster. So that that organization is going to be the one to like take control of something and make it better. Uh, let's, let's wait and see, but it, it can't get worse. You cannot film cross country. You cannot show cross country skiing worse than Davos individual start. You can't make it worse than that. So at least there's that. Yeah. At least production wise, production wise, uh, like from a production standpoint. Um, do we, is it worth talking about the uh, kind of calendar for the, for the upcoming uh, world cup season? Do, do we even like, know? like I'm, I'm looking like it doesn't seem to be like on. No, we always have to wait for those, those, uh, there's the spring meetings in FIS and are those going to happen as per usual in May? They could, um, but then, then the calendar has to be approved and then there's the fall meetings with FIS. So I think we can leave the, the racing calendar for now, but I am excited to, racing calendar aside or not like i'm excited to see like some of the young americans uh men the canadian men too canada's got a new head coach robin mckeever he's moving over from from the para side of things he's he orchestrated the greatest para team in canadian ski history and was the leader there i mean canadian cross Cana the canadian paralympic cross-country ski team and biathlon teams is the norwegian superpower of para skiing like they dominate they're incredibly well-funded and Robin has orchestrated and, and led a, a fantastic organization. And so it's exciting to see him move over to able-bodied and, and uh, put together the team there as the head coach. I'm really excited that with the young guys there, you know, like Olivier, you have Remy, you've got like Tom Zab, like you got so many guys and, and, and women as well coming up through the pipes and it's a changing of era. Chris Jeffries is uh seems so weird to say that out loud because he's like one of my best friends but anyways chris jeffries is the new high performance director so the the big boss at, at the nordic canada there and he just started a couple of weeks ago so th this is there's some big changes in canada and it's going to be fun to follow along i think we're on the cusp of a of a new era anyways there's a lot of there's a lot of athletes with an immense potential um and they're all young like to, to think that like veterans on the canadian team now are like Graham Ritchie or <laughs> or like Tony Sear who are like 23 24 years old like this is crazy so it's it's an exciting time to be Canadian ski fans and changes there not much changes on the coaching side of things in the U.S. Um, but uh, you have these athletes like you know like there's some great profiles on faster skier lately I mean again like sad to see KO moving on but like what a there's a great reporting on KO lately on faster skier. yeah yeah, it's amazing. So what a great story. If you want to read some great in-depth reporting on a, on a fantastic person, check those out. But her brother, he's, uh, you know, Ben Ogden, like, uh, yeah, like he's, you know, graduated, graduated from UVM and, and going to make his way in professional, professional skiing. We'll see where that, that takes him and see where that goes. And, and there's just a lot of really young, exciting talents in, in cross-country skiing. It's shocking to me going back to where we started this conversation that like APU has to recruit, like, I mean, people of America, if you want to be good at skiing, it's hard not to argue with, with the success of APU and Eric Flora. I mean, I don't need to sing too many more of his praises than the results speak for themselves, but uh, you know, it's uh, 
that 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 kind of surprises me to be honest Nat. like i i thought like apu would just be like yeah the program that just never has to recruit why do you think that is do you think that's because like a lot of young athletes are choosing ncaa skiing because also ncaa skiing has come from the dark ages 15 20 years ago where like the coaches sucked and you but well, they did if you wanted to be a world cup racer they didn't suck if you wanted to have fun party and get a degree they didn't but if you wanted if you went into a college program 25 years ago and said, I want to win a world cup. That was not the direction you took, but now it is. And I think it's the best thing ever. So maybe that's coming into the APU recruiting lexicon. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, I, I mean, I, I try, I try not, it's, it's almost like I try to kind of stay a little bit, like keep some good like boundaries there because like, you know, it's like, I've kind of been friendly with a lot of folks involved in that program. So I, I like, I don't want to, I don't want to like speculate or, or kind of violate any sort of personal relationships, but I, I think my sense is a couple of things. I mean, one is from what I've heard, I think they've had, you know, kind of some unexpected stuff, like some, some younger folks kind of stepping away from the sport who maybe, you know, were folks that might've been expected to spend another 10 years in the program. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think like, um, maybe they weren't necessarily expecting that. And so all of a sudden it's like, you know, uh, they've got half dozen people showing up at a practice and it's like, uh, maybe they just didn't know that this was an issue and that usually they're not having to recruit. Um, and so, um, you know, I, my sense is like, if APU is advertising, like as soon as that message gets out that they're looking for skiers, like I would assume that folks are going to be kind of breaking down the door. I do also wonder a little bit like, you know, I mean, I'm just like, I, I don't know what's going on there in Norway, but, you know, I mean, I think with the whole pandemic and, and there's just this kind of bigger societal reconsideration of like life and work and what your obligations are. And just, you know, kind of hearing that some of these like younger athletes with a lot of potential are stepping away. Like I, I I'm curious to the extent, I'm curious the extent to which like, you know, maybe we end up seeing that like also playing out like in the next couple of years, like on European teams. But I, I do wonder a little bit about like, you know, the, the lifestyle of being a cross country skier, it like, it's, it's awesome for a few years when you're in your early twenties, but like, if you have a partner or you care about your family or like you want to get a college degree and you're spending like 180 or like you're saying 200 something days on the road, it's like, I, man, like, that's just, I think, especially these days where people are kind of thinking about like, you know, what are my obligations to like my job versus like my personal life and all that stuff. Like, I just, I, I'm, it makes me a little curious about like sort of how much that stuff is like playing into some of these decisions about what people are doing in their careers. Yeah, no, it is, it is, it is super interesting. And like, to me, who, who is on the other side of it, I mean, like the tough love advice I would give with that is, or my two cents is like, you know, to borrow a cliche, probably like a, some sort of running shoe ad from like 20 years ago or whatever, but like desires the world's toughest training partner. Like if you want this, it's not going to be like, sorry, it, you're not going to be strapped with pillows and getting like turn down service when you go to bed at night. Like, and no, people aren't going to be breaking down the door to like, fill a leaf blower with Benjamins and just spraying you down with hundred dollar bills. So you can go play around on Nordic skis. Like it's, it's a tough get, no, but they, it's, you may, you bring up some really valid points. Like 
it's hard economically because yeah, Jesse Diggins makes an, an insane amount of money and Keegan made a great living. Keegan was the best skier in American history. So that's not surprising. Diggins has one upped Keegan, which is crazy to be the best American skier in history and is also like super bubbly and a great role model and just an, an amazing person to get behind. So not surprising that you win and you're a great role model for people that in a country like the US, you're going to find financial support there. Not surprising. But most don't have that sort of support. And, and it, it's really like, man, it, it, you got to kind of swallow your pride and ask for money. And it sucks. And it's hard. And not everyone has that ability. Not everyone has that personality. But also not just that, like, not everyone comes from communities that are supportive or understand what you're doing. And then again, like, you're leaving your family, like you said, your girlfriend and, and putting education on hold. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> this sounds bad. It's like, I don't really feel if this is the path you've chosen and you want to bow out, that's cool, but don't misunderstand what top sport is. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it can be brutal in a, in the most beautiful way, but it's like, if you're not willing to put in the effort and you don't want it bad enough, maybe it is the best decision to just enjoy cross-country skiing as a lifestyle for the rest of your life and get the hell out of the elite level. Cause it was probably never meant for you anyway. Did you know what I mean? No, absolutely. But it's, and it's a bummer because I think you lose a lot yeah. of great talents and how do you manage that? So this is what's so fascinating to me about the U S skiing situation right now with the rise of NCAA as a viable development model. And not just one school, like, it's not just like, okay, if you want to be great, you, you, you're, and you're a woman, you go to Dartmouth and you'll, you'll, you know, you'll have a chance to, to be a world cup skier one day. Like, no, there, there's plenty of programs in the U S colleges that have coaches that understand like development, like true racing development. And it's incredible. And th that is such a gift for, for a country, but at the same time, it's fascinating to me that as NCAA programs have become better and better and better, the post NCAA period. So you're 22, 23, you're done your degree. You still burn for cross country skiing. You want to really make a go of this. And you have developed because you have coaches that understand skiing for real and have like taken care of you as an athlete and a person. So you are better when you graduate than when you started what programs are they like I, I i i'm shocked a bit that the u.s hasn't had a proliferation of senior programming you have sms t2 you have apu newell's got something going in in bozeman that he's starting to to ramp up and it, it's had some good success early which i think is really great like it's needed okay please tell me others that have like a like a tried and true and tested program for seniors to just to, to look their coaches in the eyes and go like, I want to be a top 10 world cup ski racer. I don't see them in the U S and I, is that going to happen? I want to see that happen too. We need more senior programs in, in, in the U S and I, I hope that it follows the NCAA. Cause like, like I said, 25 years ago, if you just look through the, like the coaching like directory and see what they know about international skiing, like they, they don't know jack shit. And like now they do. Yeah. So maybe, well, maybe it just takes time.
I mean, I think we can point a little bit to like, in fairness, like Sun Valley's got a, you know. Sun Valley too, Sun Valley, um, thank you. Oh my God, then, I can't believe then, I forgot about Sun Valley. And then also Craftsbury, um, you oh know, God. has been coming yeah, out. Um, so the athletes. And, and, and my and, bad, I, I apologize completely. Like Craftsbury's done an amazing it, job and so is, so is Sun Valley, Jesus. But so let's say, let's say you have four top tier programs for a post-collegiate level in a country like the U.S., it just kind of surprises me a little bit. And then one of those programs, like not to knock it because it is great and they have just like a wonderful support and, and really knowledgeable staff. But Sun Valley isn't a program that's going to work for absolutely everybody. You're sitting at 2,100, 2,200 meters. And like, that's not, a, that's not a place that's going to work for every single person that's trying to develop in a sport where you don't race over 1,800 meters. It's, it's just like, that's the facts. So yeah but it can work for a lot but did you know what i'm trying to say with that like it's bozeman could be a bit in the same too right like you're at a bit higher altitude when you're training there too so it's like i, I don't know it's interesting yeah i mean I, I i don't know i think like um ultimately like as much as america is um a great country um <laughs> we we you know there's just not that much money in cross-country skiing and it's like you know it's like you oh, need yeah you need so many ingredients to, to have those kinds of programs be successful. And like, you know, Craftsbury is, is sustainable because it has like a, a multi dollar, yeah. like uh, exactly. carbon fiber ore and, and ergometer machine fund behind it. And, yeah. um, you know, they're just these sort of weird corners of the, of the country. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too off topic. I just, you know, I, I do think that like, I wonder sort of how much this whole kind of societal like reassessment yeah, of no, life priorities is going to, yeah. is going to change what we see. Um, because I, you know, I mean, I totally agree that it's like, it is a hard knock life being a North American elite cross country skier. And, and I just wonder if we're going to see like fewer people that want I that. Hope not. I hope uh, not because it's a beautiful life and it's worth it if you want to give it a go. But like, make no qualms about it. Like, I, I think I think that is something that like, yeah, it, it's a interesting lifestyle and stuff. And it, like, it is, it's, it's a, you know, there's no question about that. But like, if you're looking for like comfort and like being taken care of, then then elite well, sport well, is not, I mean, not, elite sports, not your, it's not your game. Like you've got yeah, and I, your game. Like, I, I would say like the, my word is like balance, you know? I mean, I think it's like, yeah, and there's you know. no balance like, at certain points in certain, and this is what's tough. And this is what's hard for today's society. This is a good conversation with this. Like how much balance can you be honestly, like be totally honest with yourself. If your goal is to like win Olympic gold medals, like if you want to win Nobel prizes, in physiology or chemistry how much balance is in your life like you have you're in the cutting edge of your field and it's 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 consuming luckily hopefully you're incredibly passionate and you get so much utility back from that that it's like this is what if you could choose something to do it's like i'm in my rat lab injecting like weird you know retinoblastomas it's like you know what i mean like hopefully that's what gets you up in the morning but like cross-country skiing kind of like that too it's like if you want to win and you're not just saying that and it's not just lip service but you or not even win if you want to get better if you if you because like at least for me like of course like i'm not gonna sit here and say like i didn't want to win 
races. Like, of course I did. But, but in sport, I think what the beautiful thing about elite sport is like, it's to get better, like to be better at the end of the season. When you look back at the season, you go like, I worked my ass off. There was some struggle with, with money or like I left my family and friends, but like, I'm, I, I just love what I'm doing. And I close my eyes and visualize like, man, like I get to go skiing in Switzerland at sunset. And this is my quote unquote job. And it's to get better at this thing that I just love doing. And part of that thing can be like slobber fast, like kill yourself, crush yourself at home and colon. But at the same time, it's the same sport that you're going for a level one ski by yourself in Switzerland as the sun's going down over the Alps and you're going to come home and eat like just a baller dinner, have a sauna, talk some shit with your buds and go to bed. Like, and it's all wrapped up into this package. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But if, if you think that you're going to get balance, like true, true balance, I think then you have to start looking to the world at large and at, at the cutting edge of anything. I, I would just challenge, like, I think you have to redefine what balance is. I think you need passion. You need to make sure you're truly deeply passionate about what you're doing. And if you're not, then you should reassess and, and you can always love cross country skiing in other capacities. This is the, this is the tough love from Devin segment of our, uh, of our show here. Um, what, uh, what else? Um, I mean, you know, I think we gotta, we, we're gonna have to, uh, follow through on our promise of, um, a, a mailbag episode. At oh some yeah. God, we have a lot of mail and, I think both Nat and I have fallen off like responding at times, which I really apologize because I do read them and I, I love, we love the feedback. We really do. So we, we will definitely put one of those out for real this time, for real this time in the next, let's say, what, what do you think Nat? in the next couple of weeks, try and do a mailbag one. That's uh, kind of fun. Next couple of weeks, month, yeah. we'll see, yeah. but yeah. let's say no more than a month. We promise we'll, uh, we'll yeah. get there. I mean, Once- June, we, we can't be, we can't be answering like technical cross country ski stuff in June, mid May. I think we can do it, but when it comes to June, then we can, we can have more discussions and other things. Also, one other thing I wanted to let people that are listening. It's like, if you haven't, if you have someone that we'd like to talk with, or if you, you know, we can't promise that we'll get it done. Cause this is like a heat bag production over here. But like, if, uh, if there's like a character you'd like us to, to have on the show or ask some questions to please like reach out and ask, like we have a long list already of people we'd like to talk with, but it's, it's, you know, Nat and I are just kind of talking over zoom. So it's great to hear from people. If, if there's a topic or, or someone that you think would be would be fun to spar with or, or have a discussion with and uh let us know and and i would say i mean teresa jesse marit um you know Oli einer all you guys that are listening if you're if you're feeling yeah. moved to uh participate just that uh, you know uh um alexander uh just just give drop us a note devin at fasterskier.com yeah. not fasterskier. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah i know for sure it'd be uh it's always fun to have have people on have fun discussions um cool well uh should we wrap this up yeah we just leave it at that it's great to catch up though and i think it's in yeah with the kids man it's worth it you gotta you gotta snap but you gotta don't don't lie to yourself i mean i i don't know man i'm like you know i think it's it's worth it for some people and it's not worth it for others you know like that's what i think so beautiful and that's what i think is amazing and this is this comes back like because like you can tell them getting worked up about it but like this is my point with everything in life. Like you can be a great physician working at a district hospital as an orthopedic surgeon. Like you you can have a great life and help people and like fix people's broken bones and, and be good. But 
if you're going to come up with new ways, like a totally different way to do like a knee replacement, it's just going to take a different level of commitment. Like it's just going to, because that's going to consume your life to do it. And that's a, that's a minor thing. Like, let's start talking about like, think about like the immunotherapy within cancer treatment over the last 30, 40 years. Like the people that have been working on this have this, this wasn't something that's like, I have work-life balance and I just kind of like stumbled upon like this immunotherapy as a way to treat cancer. Like, no man, they've given their life to this, like so much of their life for this. And thank God they did because we all reap the benefits. And, and, and I know it's hard to compare like skiing where you're just like smashing yourself into smithereens in some Finnish woods by yourself. But, but I'm, I'm just saying, the balance you have to find within yourself, but the pursuit is a pursuit of excellence. And, and no matter what form that takes, you've got to be honest with yourself of like where your motivation lies. Cause there's nothing, like you said, Matt, there's nothing wrong with being like that orthopedic surgeon that just checks in and out and has like a nice little life. He's helping a lot of people. I, I, love, I, I love that your example of like the chill balanced life is still being an orthopedic surgeon. No, no, but I mean, no, okay, well, like, do, do you know what I mean though? Do you know what I mean? Like you can, you yeah. can take any profession, you can take any profession. I'm just saying like in skiing, like you can, you can walk away from skiing after, after like skiing, training hard till you're 24, having yeah. fun and realizing like, this just isn't for me. And that's cool. I, I have like a ton of respect for that. Cause that's awesome. Like you've, you, you tried it. It wasn't for you. You're moving on, but I hope people that do that are moving on with that self-knowledge that like, this is what I wanted. But if you thought you could have like a nice balanced life and like, and, and win, you know, 15 world championship gold medals, I, I let me, let me correct you before you get on that train that is probably a fallacy. Like, I don't think that exists. You have a great life, but balanced is probably not the adjective I would use to describe what your pursuit's going to be. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just like, it's question of trade-offs and priorities and whatnot. So, okay. Well, um, on, on that note, um, yeah, uh, we'll be back in, uh, in, in, uncertain amount of time but we promise it won't be as long as between the last one and this one and uh, exactly and we should say to all the young athletes that are out there first of may you know get after it today but don't don't start to speaking of balance if you you want my little like we'll leave this podcast with a bit of advice because the first of may is always kind of like an important date for the young athletes out there or senior athletes even the rosie brandons that win world cups and stuff it's the start of the training season. This is when your season starts. A cross-country skiers season is from May 1st to April 1st. Like it's 11 months of like commitment. But if we want to get a little bit of advice from like an old dog, I know you're stoked. I know you want to go out there and smash. And this year's your big year. And you're going to make the changes and make it happen. But never forget that it's the fall that things really matter. So if you burn all your energy in May being perfect and like OCD about everything and then training 90 hours in May, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Start May with a smile. Go for those cross cruises. Go for those mountain bikes. Don't get so insane and OCD about every workout being like perfect and weighing your oatmeal in the morning. Like there'll be enough time for that later in, in, in the season. In May, get out there and have fun. Your, your least amount of training you should do in the season or like in the training season. So from like first of May till middle of November, 
the least amount of training you should do in a month is May. So if you get to the end of May and you have like 98 hours of training done because this year's your big year, my only question to you is, do you really think you can do 130 hour months in August, September, October? If you can, you're a beast. That's awesome. If you can't, uh, you're going to have to pay the piper at some point. And that's a, that's a mistake people have done over and over. They, they get so OCD and crazy in May and try and do everything perfect. And then they run out of that motivation come September. They get sick in August. Then the whole training season goes to shit. So don't make that mistake. Have a lot of fun. Have a great time in May. That's the key. Enjoy getting back into training. Also, never weigh your oatmeal. And I'm pretty sure that the training. <laughs> I've never weighed my oatmeal either. I don't know why I said that, but like, <laughs> it's true. Never weigh your oatmeal, not even in November or October. And like, why are we even eating oatmeal? Like, just like how you can have bread or something in the morning. I don't know. Oatmeal is actually. I, I have oatmeal in the breakfast sometimes. It's great. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.